Hello, Patriots. Welcome to episode 53. I'm going to move that down a little bit. The name of that video that uh, I opened the show with today is If Not Us, Then Who? And that is basically part of the documentary that I released um, in September uh, and November publicly called Freedom Waning, The War Has Already Begun. I showed that piece a couple times. I like showing it because it's really a good demonstration of how throughout our history this country has has uh, won out, has fought the fight, and has um, come out on the side of freedom. And I think that's what that's what we all want to do. The only difference is is to look across the world. Uh, a lot of the countries are using the same playbook and using COVID as an excuse for a Marxist coup, basically. And you can call me a tinfoil hat wearer if you like, but if you can't do the research yourself and look up um, Agenda 21 or Plan 21 that went through the United Nations, uh, the World Economic Forum's plan for the New World Order, and these are these are coming from our so-called leaders of the world. And these are, uh, the mission is to create a new world order and a one world government and COVID right now is being used as an excuse to take away your rights and to shred the Constitution. And so I thought I'd show that again because it's it's really a uh, a re- good reminder, I guess, that you know we have uh, a common goal ourselves as a people, and that's to remain free, and that's to maintain our God-given rights. And I think the whole world needs the United States to lead by example. I got a letter from, a short letter from a viewer named Tom. It just says, Dear Jeff, you are one of the few broadcasters who are knowledgeable and with a deep desire to do your part, spread the truth. It will help save our God-given freedoms. Thank you so much, Tom, for that. That's the kind of stuff that really makes me feel good and keeps me going. I'm going to send you out a black flag uh, sometime this week, so you can be expecting that. Thanks again for that very those very kind words, and I'm in good company. That's all I can say. Thank you for your service, and I really appreciated that. So if you have been paying attention, you know that uh, today there was a march in Washington, D.C. from the Washington Memorial to the Lincoln Memorial, and then there were a series of speakers, and that was for this Defeat the Mandate effort. And the interesting thing about it, if you haven't watched it, I would really recommend that you that you seek it out. I'm sure it's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be uh, on this website, and it's going to be on Frank's speech. I know they televised it, so you can check it out. But um, the the really cool thing that I got from it is that there's people from basically all walks of of life, every race, creed, color, every religion. Um, you know, every political party affiliation, every sexual preference or orientation, all uniting to basically demand the freedoms that we we know we have, but we haven't necessarily been fighting to defend. So I, I, I just really would like you to check that out. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. And as we go forward, um, one news story that I, I wanted to just highlight today was uh, this uh, Florida Democrat who basically uh, told people that uh, DeSantis in Florida was like Hitler. And the only thing I'll say about that, we'll get to COVID more in the end of the show today, but it's not 
it's not the right that is putting together the concentration camps in states like Washington uh, or New York where they want to do the same thing and it wasn't the right who put the Japanese Americans in internment camps developed Jim Crow or um, started segregation to begin with that was Woodrow Wilson so you know that whole thing falls flat and I just wanted to bring that small point home to people um, history has shown us what the truth uh, the truth is about that and we're fighting the fight now this episode is called miseducation because well first of all that's not a word and it kind of is a little bit of a sarcastic uh, play at what's going on you know and it's not only education in our schools for our children but it's also education as it relates to what the media is spoon feeding us as adults in this country and how we have been so deceived now what is the price for standing up and demanding your rights or in the case of children your children for example you know now we have uh, politicians demanding that you be viewed as a domestic terrorist if you're standing up in front of your school board so in that regard my first interview today um, I have Mr. Sean McBriarty sat down with him and I talked with him about where he's at and his ongoing effort to battle the school district uh, in Maine and he was among the first and he had some national exposure on uh, several shows uh, on Fox and, and other networks so I wanted to catch up with him and give you some insight into how he's about uh, gone about doing things to ensure that uh, he's fighting for his, his kids' education and the truth. I'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Sean McBriarty, who has been active in the past couple of years with a lot of things that we're all fighting, critical race theory and uh, some of the issues that we're seeing coming up in our school systems. So, Sean, welcome aboard. Uh, it's good to talk with you today. I've been looking forward to this conversation because I think we're two like souls. So. I'd like you just to briefly introduce yourself and what you've been busy with over the past uh, couple of years here, please. Yeah, thanks, uh, Jeff. Uh, it's my pleasure. Um, yeah, so I, I was a dad uh, kind of in my own bubble uh, a year and a half ago. And uh, in our local school system, we received a letter on the heels of the George Floyd uh, situation that basically called us all white supremacists. And that wasn't how I've raised my twins and that's not how I was raised. And I didn't feel like that was the community that I lived in. And so I pushed back and that very quickly became um, um, kind of a controversial take, I guess you'd say. And I think what I've found over this period of time is the First Amendment rights don't speak for everybody. Uh, they seem to only speak for the left. Mm -hmm. But things kind of spiraled a little bit out of control um, with the MSAD 51 school system in Cumberland, Maine. And from there, Ultimately, um, I pushed back and pushed back really hard. And the uh, superintendent, Jeff Porter, was going to withhold me from my senior twins high school graduation because of the fight that I was fighting against the school system when it came to critical race theory. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Ultimately, that landed me on uh, Breitbart News, which I didn't know about until then, uh, The Daily Wire, which I didn't know about. Um, and uh, ultimately, I was the first in-studio guest for Tucker Carlson for his studio here in Maine. And uh, from there, really, the national exposure exploded, and it was really a uh, a crazy time. It was a crazy few weeks. Um, Burn that broad attention. With, 
that brought all kinds of attention to you on both sides of the fence, I bet. Absolutely. Yeah, mostly 95% very positive. Um, I got instant messages on Facebook. Um, I didn't know there was a spam folder on Facebook Messenger. And uh, one day I woke up, there was about 400 messages in there. Wow. And, and what they said was, you know, I watched this Tucker Carlson show. I was looking for a glimmer of hope and your story and standing up for what you believe in has influenced me to now go to a school board meeting or now find out a little more about my kids' homework or, awesome. or get involved. And uh, Patriots also pushed back on the superintendent and he caved on all of his previous demands. And I was able to go to the uh, school board meeting. I'm uh, sorry, to the uh, uh, to the graduation. Yeah, well, it's nonsense. And, uh, that, that whole thing was nonsensical to begin with. I mean, <laughs> when is a parent not able to go to their child's graduation? That's that's just absolutely insane. Yeah. And they didn't have uh, they didn't really have any leverage on me <clears throat> at the time because I had planned to leave the town a couple years prior as part of my financial plan. And so with the kids graduating, uh, you know, I just I kind of uh, uh, I guess I, I took things to that line and in some cases stepped slightly over the line. But the biggest point of it was trying to get conservative parents, taxpayers to really, truly understand that even in a small town in Maine, critical race theory <clears throat> was being pushed at the age of, of uh, kindergarten. You know, these kids right. five and six years old were being introduced to this leftist progressive agenda. And I just didn't believe in that. I, I believe in content of character from Martin Luther King right. Jr. And that's how I was brought right. up. Well, don't you think that the real the real drive of the left is it's all out communism. It's moving from it's it's um, it's defaming or attacking our traditional sense of individual liberty and replacing it with what they like to call equity, which is, is a completely impossible, historically proven, impossible uh, theory. It, it never comes about because everybody cannot get the same amount of stuff. It, it will never work that way because people have uh, emotions, they have greed, they have, uh, they're imperfect, you know, and um, they're, the, the thing that always blows my mind about this is the very group of people who attack people like President Trump and attack his, his cabinet and his way of governing call for even more government. So it, it just, it's, it completely doesn't make sense. So, so, so you've started down this path and you focused on a couple specific things, both the sexualization of children at a young age in the schools, as well as critical race theory. Where are you right now and, and what are the things that you're seeing that give you hope and what are the things that you're seeing that uh, give you concern? Yeah, absolutely. And you took the words right out of my mouth with your previous statement. I mean, uh, just as a quick recap, one of the equity partners that MSAD 51 in Cumberland, Maine hired <clears throat> actually said in their June newsletter, in order to eliminate racism, we must end capitalism and move to a socialist and anarchistic form of government. Um, <clears throat> that's literally the quote. And so, uh, yeah, it's a complete Marxist ideology. And what they're really trying to do is eliminate the moral framework uh, of, of uh, uh, you know, family, uh, family units right. and break that down. So I moved a couple hours north to uh, Hamden, Maine, right near Bangor. It's in eastern Maine. And what I found when I got here was because of some of my notoriety from Tucker Carlson and some of these other Fox shows that I had done, uh, people in Hamden who are so concerned with cancel culture, and that's that's a main topic. Right now in America, <clears throat> um, 
folks like me and you are standing up for what we feel is right. But not everybody feels comfortable in that because they're getting canceled out by the left, mm -hmm. either from their job or their employer or they own a business or their kids in school or, you know, pick, pick a subject. Right. And I just I just chose to lean into that discomfort. And I've been called 38 different names. I, I keep a spreadsheet. Um, it kind of fuels me. But anyway, so when I got to Hamden, what happened was a lot of the folks and friends that I knew because I was born here or grew up here, went to school here. Mm -hmm. um, they said, hey, Sean, do you know what's happening in RSU 22 in Hamden? So the focus became initially critical race theory. That's kind of what my strength was, what I had spent an enormous amount of volunteer time and effort on my own to do. And then it came into this hypersexualization of kids. And one of the things that I talk about is the pedagogy or the praxis. So no school is going to say they're teaching critical race theory. Mm -hmm. um, there's no binder. They're going to pull off the back you know, shelf behind their desk. But when you start talking about praxis or pedagogy or the umbrella of teaching these things, and then you connect A to B with their uh, content in curriculum and kicking out FOA requests yeah. in Maine, it's Freedom of Access Act, a powerful tool that parents need to understand and, and everybody across the country should be asking for transparency. Yeah, and they need to, so they need folks, to understand uh, their, their specific state's uh, procedure for using that same thing. Absolutely. Might not be called the same thing. thing. Yep. So um, when I got to Hamden, a lot of folks reached out to me and said, hey, uh, will you kind of speak for me? And what I say is um, I feel like I'm, I'm the tip of the sword. Um, there's a lot of people behind me. There's not a lot of people beside me, but it's because of this cancel culture. And so we're trying to advocate for children, for parental rights, for transparency, mm -hmm. for so, taxpayer fiscal responsibility. So it sounds to me that, I mean, what, what I get out of that uh, is that you are – um, encouraged to see people who are really starting to get it, but at the same time, it seems like the fear has the fear of of reprisals. And I know that you know you were attacked personally. Um, so there's a lot of people out there that are still in that fear stage. And the only thing that I have to say to those folks is, if that's you, well then you know I mean you're not you, you can't complain about the consequences of in action you know so you have to either it's not going to get better it's not going to get better without people doing the same thing that you're doing or that i'm doing or whatever their strength is but you got to find out what you can do to be part of the solution and I, you know i we had talked before we uh, started recording and you know we talked about the 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 need um to have uh some positive uh interactions and it's easy to get discouraged if you feel like you're the only one out there. But I think that the, I think the truth of the matter is that we are the majority and that, um, you know, you got to remember that. And um, there's a lot to be encouraged about. People are waking up, people are stepping up, but not, a, not enough, perhaps. How do you feel yeah, about and, that? Yeah, and I think, to echo your comments, I think it's mass noncompliance that will stop this just nonsense that's happening within local governments, within school districts within the states like Maine. I mean, Maine is a hardcore blue state at this point. The gover governor, Senate, and House are all controlled by Democrats. And again, kind of similarly, we've got local senators, uh, Stacey Guerin, our local senator, and uh, David Hagan, our local representative, who won't touch these issues because they feel it's a local issue. Um, yeah. and, and I'm not sure if, if again, uh, Republican or GOP lawmakers are just uncomfortable with the subject matter because again, when you start talking about LGBTQ initiatives, 
that can turn people off. But right. that's what's being pushed in these schools. Again, hypersexualization yeah. is kind of the term that I use. Well, but it's it's constant. Yeah, you know, the other thing that I think people are finding is, um, you know, back when we went to school, and I think part of the problem with parents has been all along that they just assume that their children are getting the same education they got. And that's exactly. can't that's far from the truth. And the other thing that's happening is when you and I were in school, they gave us textbooks and we were responsible for those textbooks. We went home and we made grocery bag covers for them and we had the books <laughs> and our parents could pick them up and they could open them up and they could read it. They could see what we're being taught. And nowadays parents uh, hear their children say something about what they're being taught and they say, well, do you have a textbook? No. Well, do you have a handout? No. Then you contact the teacher and the teacher says, well, that's just the curriculum I was given. And, you know, so it gets really frustrating and, and it requires a lot of effort. Uh, and parents need to take that effort because I don't think that most parents understand, uh, you know, maybe it's better now. But at first, a couple of years ago, I would say that most parents don't really understand what is even the curriculum that their children are being taught. Yeah, and I think I think to me what I found is. Um, Generally speaking, conservative parents of children are so busy. Um, they're, uh, they're running their own business. They um, are a good employee somewhere. They go to church. Uh, maybe they're uh, coaching basketball or soccer or football or baseball. Um, and they're heavily involved in things. And ultimately, they're giving their children great moral fabric at home. But the flip side of that is the gaslighting that's occurring, and again, the stripping away of that moral fabric is ultimately what the teachers union, in my opinion, across the United States is pushing because of it's a leftist progressive agenda. And so what I say to folks is, look, if you need to take a day off to figure out what's going on with your kid's life, that is the most important thing you can do as a parent. Amen. And that's kind of hard for folks to swallow, but, but uh, people are starting to get there. There is an undercurrent and a growing sort of resentment to government-run K through 12 schools here in Maine and across the country. We've obviously seen a lot of things out of Loudoun County, Virginia, but at the end of the day, it's trying to crack the code to get conservative parents off the couch and engaged. And that is something that I haven't, I haven't figured it out yet. Uh, you know, every week, if I can get one or two more parents, I feel like that's successful. You know, uh, Sean, it's like, um, I, I, I say to people, number one, uh, if you are 54 years old like me and you look at your life and you want to, you, first thing that comes up when you get to a certain age is, well, what am I doing that's important? What is my legacy? Right. There's exactly. no better legacy. And I've said this a hundred times on my show. There's no better legacy than preserving freedom for future generations. I mean, you know, that is our mission. That's our goal. That's what we want. And you also have to, at the same time, be able to take a step back and look at how we're being attacked in so many fronts in multiple ways. It's not just education in school to tear down our founding fathers and the, and the Declaration of Independence and to move towards a more communist government or mindset in society. It's also the COVID stuff, the destruction of the middle class. It's also, uh, you know, changing our military and doing uh, social justice uh, stuff within our, it's everything together. And, right. and people well, like to say that we're wearing tinfoil hats, but that's not the truth. The evidence is yeah. there. Open your eyes. It's uh, it's overwhelming, I think. So it's it's drinking from multiple fire hoses. So when you bring this, when I bring this uh, information to light, and first off, 
I'm a very diligent person. I kind of joke, like, I don't know how many other people could have diligence me on this planet, but the, the, I'm a detail oriented person. So I dive into these materials. I dive into policies. Uh, the first amendment, I would advocate everybody reread, uh, in fact, read the whole constitution. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, even when you bring facts to light, um, people might come back and say, well, you just must be a racist, homophobe, misogynist. Well, none of those things are true. I've raised right. two beautiful 19-year-old girls, and I've been married for 20, almost 21 years. Um, and, uh, and I've never had uh, any of those issues. But that's the first reaction of the left, is their yeah. only thing to cling to is to hope they can cancel you through name-calling. Well, the very, the and very for group, me, it just, it just fueled me. The very group that will call you all those names... Uh, the very group that accuses you of of bias because of skin color will not even hear what you say because of your skin color and your gender. So it is it is always the fact that whatever they accuse you of, they're doing. And I, and I I hope that more Americans and more people around the world, frankly, are waking up to that truth. I mean, critical race theory is a perfect example. If you're a group of people that believes in telling a kindergartner that he's an oppressor because he's white and a male, uh, there's a problem with you. <laughs> you yeah, no you need help. Well, and, and I think uh, one of the things I've, I've joked on, uh, I joked on the radio a couple of times is um, if you picture me as a small black lesbian vaccinated woman identifying as a man, identifying as a lion, that's how silly this whole thing is. And if I right. could have a screen filter that turned me into a black lesbian woman, then is the difference, is, is, are the words coming out of my mouth and the facts and the content, does it feel any emotionally different? But I'm a 230 pound, six foot stocky white guy, middle-aged uh, with short hair. And, uh, and that, you know, again, when the people that are preaching equity are the first folks to uh, call out the way you look must be having to do something with exactly right. white supremacy or whatever it mm -hmm. is. Well, no, it has nothing to do with that, exactly uh, but right. that's all they have to cling to. Exactly right. Well, you know, there's so much, there's been so much, uh, um, so much of an attack against personal responsibility and, you know, it's always blame the other person. It's always, you know, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim, or you're an oppressor, you know, but there are no special programs for me. There are no special programs for you. There's no special small business loans for you. There's no college uh, uh, entrance uh, benefits you know, so, I mean, the whole thing is such a laughable joke that um, people, I think you hit it on the head when you said people are so busy. Well, people are so busy in their own life, but it's getting to the point where, you know, you better decide what's important and what your legacy is. And that's why I mentioned that legacy piece, yep. because yep. you're going to look around right. and you're going to say, what the hell happened? Well, it happened because you didn't do anything. So, so what's well, your advice? What's your Sorry, advice? I just want... One thing I wanted to add there real quick, Jeff, sure. institutional racism is something that the left brings up all the time. Yet one thing I would ask uh, parents or taxpayers is to challenge, you know, have them provide you a local situation of institutional racism in the last, I don't know, 25 years. Right. And they can't do it. Um, and my view is institutional racism is a myth created by the left to divide communities. And it's worked. Um, that's what BLM and Antifa and, and a lot of these organizations have done right. is pit communities, you know, 50-50 against each other. The only institutional racism I can come up with, frankly, are a couple examples. Uh, one, affirmative action is really uh, racism towards uh, white, white people. There, there's, you know, that's that's kind of a, a difficult thing um, because it does provide advantage to uh, people of color. 
Um, and I think that's an outdated uh, law that at some point might need to be changed. The other thing, frankly, is uh, is uh, abortions. Um, you know, 70% of, uh, I think, abortion clinics are in heavily populated black neighborhoods. And so when you start breaking down the real issues and what BLM has failed to solve for Pur- is... Purposely, by uh, the way. Margaret Sanger yeah, exactly. pur- pur- purposely did that because she was a right. racist. And, yeah, and, and that's, you know, that was a heavily Democrat-run uh, mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood situation. Uh, blacks are the only... Uh, uh, folks in America whose population has actually declined um, because of, of these situations. And so unfortunately that's that's some of the deal. But yeah, if you're if you're an Asian or a white student, some of these colleges are are docking you two hundred points or providing absolutely. people of color two hundred points on their SATs, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And until yeah. mass noncompliance and people stand up it's not going to change. And like you said, one day you're going to wake up and wonder what the heck happened. Yeah, exactly. So one question in closing here, Sean, is um, if you're if you're a viewer and you're sitting here watching this and you, or you're shaking your head, yeah, I think that these guys have, they're onto something. Uh, what what recommendations do you give, or what do you what do you want to tell people uh, to encourage them to get off the sidelines and participate in in uh, preserving America? Yeah, in, in Maine, I'm part of uh, an organization called the Maine First Project. Um, we actually have done four activist trainings uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter. We're gonna do two or three more in the first quarter. We're trying to get folks to uh, come to those meetings to understand, you know, you can fight and advocate for your children, for your tax dollars. You just have to get involved. You have to do some research and treat it as a homework assignment. But that's the biggest thing is we need people to come to school board meetings. We need the people people to write letters to their local legislators. We need people to run for office. I mean, there's a lot right. of things that are, are needed. Now, I've been fighting this for a year and a half, and I kind of joke that I'm one of the OG uh, critical race fighters. But, you know, this stuff has been permeating school districts for decades, maybe 20, 30 years. And they just recently outed themselves. So sometimes it's it gets a little bit concerning for parents because they're not going to see the immediate change but unless we put one foot in front of the other and take one step forward for our kids or our community, again, you're going to get what you get. And I also yeah. advocate at this point, Jeff, every parent at first during this piece, I thought I could save kids. I thought I could change the system, change the dynamic of the main school uh, situations and just, again, the, the complete hypocrisy going on. And a few weeks ago, ultimately, I decided at this point, I'm telling every parent who asked me a question, pull your kids out of public schools in Maine immediately, get to a homeschooling situation or a private school. And unfortunately, it's a double whammy because of property taxes in Maine and we don't have school choice. But the only way, in my opinion, to save your children from the moral degradation that's going on in the schools is to pull them out of these public schools. So how can people get a get a hold of you? Yeah, great, great point. Um, MainFirstProject.org uh, uh, is the organization I work for. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Getter, all at Sean McBriarty. And uh, I'm also doing this unemployed, uh, currently on my own dime. And I think uh, this does take time and effort and resources. I'm not necessarily trying to get rich from this, but I am trying to put money in the gas tank so I can travel around Maine and help other parents and other taxpayers advocate for themselves. So. Um, I know it's difficult to ask for donations and help, but I'm certainly asking any of your viewers that, hey, if you saw some of the content that I put out there and want some help, I'm more than willing to help you regardless of what state you're in and give you some advice. 
at the same time, uh, I really need a uh, conservative George Soros to uh, to look out for some of us here <laughs> yeah. and uh, and okay. help keep this effort moving. If okay. anybody so, knows anybody, so through like the, through social media, you you can be contacted and also uh, get uh, donations, correct? Yep, yep. Okay. And I think uh, I'll, I'll provide you the uh, flow page information that we can right. probably put in the show notes, and uh, anybody can reach out to me that way. Sounds good. And in closing, you know, I would just uh, I'd like to just say and maybe advance what you said a little bit, and that is this, that there can be no federal power power without local compliance. And if you're silent, you're compliant. So please, uh, please do get involved, uh, use your talents, and um, do a lot of praying, and maybe we'll, we'll get through this and we'll, we'll uh, have the country that we all really want to have back on the other side. So Thank you, Sean, very much. Thank you much. for having me. Appreciate you it. betcha. We'll we'll have you right. back on again, uh, and um, we'll we'll keep in touch to keep current on what's happening. So appreciate you being here. Thank you. God bless the kids. Thank you. So there you have it, Sean McBriarty. That was a good interview. I enjoyed talking with Sean. He's a guy who, uh, if, even if you don't agree with him on every point, I mean, he is he's doing what what all parents should be doing, and that is taking an interest in his kid's education. Um, then there's this gentleman, the Secretary uh, of Education, Miguel Cardona. Now we know that he actually wrote a letter to the FBI asking them to basically come down on, on parents in those school board meetings and treat them like domestic terrorists, those evil parents, as if somehow this scuzzball thinks he has the right to determine what our children are being taught. And he actually believes that Americans who are following our Constitution, our law of the land, should be punished for being concerned and voicing their concern about the education of their own children. You can go to AmericanPrinciplesProject.org and sign this petition to ask him to resign. Uh, he should resign in disgrace. One thing I'd like to say, too, about the interview that I just did, it sure would be nice to see more um, traditional liberals um, get more active in this regard. You know, we're, we are a country through our history, we've created these, these laws that are too narrow. For years, I worked in the safety and environmental field and did a lot of overlapping with human resources. And, you know, there's a law, um, anti-discrimination laws for specific groups, um, you know, for protected classes, basically. And that's part of the problem, in my opinion, because that segregates us. Where a person like me, I look at the Constitution and I think, well, it says right here that all individuals, you know, get the same rights. So why do we need these these laws that cover only specific groups? It tends to make us think in terms of groups. It tends to divide us. Why not just say that every American, every American citizen, that is, you know, not not like in New York where you can be an illegal and vote, which is ridiculous. But every American citizen has the same set of rights regardless. And I think that is, that's how most of the people like me 
think. And we don't think in terms of these groups because we are blind to groups for the most part. I mean, I have different viewpoints than some people who are further on the right than me. Um, but I don't think, for example, when it comes to sexualization of our children, I don't think they need to be learning things that are maybe uh, definitely more on an adult level when they're, you know, in second grade. Uh, I think the parents have the right to determine when that uh, content comes in. And our schools need to stick to teaching our children the basics. I mean, as, as a country, I think we're like 25th in, in education and the sciences and mathematics, you know, which is terrible. The United States has thrown trillions of dollars, and it is a fact that the population of the United States was more literate before public education than they are today. That is a fact. Uh, and that is basically a very sad statement. I'll be right back after this. Hey, Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. Hey, welcome back. I just wanted to show you the shirt that I'm wearing right now. It says, Good and God at the same time wins in the end. That shirt is available right now in our shop. You can check that out by going to redbloodedpatriots.com and going to shop. We have a lot of other stuff there and that's constantly growing. You can support us too by purchasing a membership. That would be awesome. You can uh, choose from three different levels. The first one free, you get into uh, access the forum and, and uh, some other things. And then the soldier and the Patriot level, you get a lot more. So you can check that out. I'm not going to belabor that, but um, all your support is very much appreciated. Um, one thing I wanted to point out again about this march now, uh, Robert Kennedy's speech, in my opinion, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s speech was one of the best that has ever been given in D.C. at a at a, at a march or a rally. Um, so again, I encourage you to go and watch that. 
I'm sure it'll be posted all over the place and check that out. And his speech in particular really resonated with me. Um, probably disagree with him on, you know, 90% of things, but uh, it was just superb. So check that out. Um, so part two now, we uh, we had talked about miseducation being the title of this, and we hit on the public school system and, and the battle that's going on between parents and the uh, the far, far left. I wouldn't even call them left, really. I call them more communists because they're using the same old tools that were used to co-opt and corrupt the minds of citizens across the world whenever there was a uh, communist revolution. And that's what we find ourselves in the midst of, I think. Um, but the other thing that this show has been doing, I've been focusing on uh, political Islam. And I've had both uh, IQ al-Razuli and Dr. Warner on uh, a number of times. And what I wanted to do is really educate people on what Islam, political Islam, really is. And there is nobody better than these two gentlemen. Now I have Dr. Warner back for you again, and he's going to address Muhammad specifically and give you a little history um, so that uh, we can learn more about Islam. Uh, the reason I'm doing this, in case it kind of seems like it's not really, uh, you know, under the, the umbrella of American politics, is because our founding was so closely, um, you know, was created, basically happened with Judeo-Christian mindset and, and values, and that is being attacked constantly. And uh, Islam is uh, among the groups, the, the Muslims, obviously, who come into this country We've seen them set up no-go zones and Sharia law and, and that kind of stuff we can't tolerate. So one way to uh, help everybody understand what Islam is is to have these gentlemen go through it. So here's Dr. Warner and again speaking about Muhammad and his life. like to welcome back to the show Dr. Bill Warner. We're going to talk more about Islam and specifically today uh, we talked about uh, we're going to talk about the life of Muhammad. Welcome back Dr. Warner. Glad to be back because we're going to do about my one of my favorite things which is to talk about Islam. Well there you go. That's we I think you know we we were talking about the need for people really to to hear the truth about what Islam really is. So today we're going to start right with the life of Muhammad, which makes sense. Um, so I will just kind of turn it over to you. And if I have any boneheaded questions, I'll just try to bring them up. As a man who taught for 10 years, let me assure you that when people say there are no boneheaded questions, yeah, actually wrong. there are. <laughs> yeah, I believe that 100%. <laughs> there are stupid questions. But anyway, uh, let's start talking about Islam. All right. If you talk to most people about Islam, they tend to think that it's based on the Quran. Mm -hmm. And how many people have tried to read the Quran and just threw their hands up in the air and said, I can't understand the thing they're talking about. And they yeah. keep whatever it is that's vague, they keep talking about it again and again. And so people start out wrong. And when I'm people, as a person who's taught quote, for 20 years, the subject of Islam, I always say, do not start out with the Quran. 
That's not the place to start. First off, let me assure you this. There is no one in the world who can understand Islam without understanding Muhammad first. Makes sense. Here's why. When you read the Quran, one of the reasons it's so disturbing to you is that it seems to just jump around. And you're like, what is this? Well, the real Quran is based on a story, the story of Muhammad's life. You cannot understand the Quran, if you buy one, is not written from the beginning to the end. Instead, it is written in random order. In general, the longest chapters are the first chapters. Well, imagine I gave you a detective story. Mm -hmm. And before I gave it to you, I cut the spine off and then rearranged the detective story so that it started out with the longest chapter and goes to the shortest chapter. We're well, yeah. not going to be able to understand anything at all. That would be very confusing. The plot has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what's interesting about when I use the word plot. Human beings have an innate understanding of stories. As a matter of fact, it's so innate, you never think about the fact. But everybody knows that a story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right. So most people don't understand this when they read the Quran. The reason they can't understand it is it has been made impossible to understand. And if you're the world's greatest scholar on the Quran, you have to know Muhammad's life because that's what puts the Quran in the right order. Gotcha. Once you know what the Quran is in the right order, then all of a sudden you can understand it. And what you discover is dreadful. You discover that Islam starts with a hymn to God and ends with a political triumph over all the world. So the Quran is actually an epic story once you weave Muhammad's Quran into it. So I sell three different Qurans. They all are based on the fact that Muhammad's life is in, involved in this Quran so that it lets you know what was happening. For instance, there's a verse in the, in the Quran which says, and it was good to burn the palm trees. And you go, palm trees? Who's palm trees? We've never been hearing about palm trees. Mm -hmm. But nobody in his day had trouble knowing what that verse meant because he had attacked the Jews, could not defeat them, and they were date palm farmers, and so he burned down their date palms. And the Arabs said, that's a war crime. And so that verse from God is what determines the meaning of that story. So when you weave the Quran in the right order, along with Muhammad's life, it's easy to understand the Quran. Yeah. So that's the reason we're going to start out with Muhammad. All right. That makes sense. When I put together my first Quran, and what I did was, is it's highly repetitive. And so I took, in a, for instance, the story of uh, Moses is told, <clears throat> is told 38 times. 38 times. And so I took and collected all the stuff together. That was of the same topic. So you could read the first one and then you could skip the rest of them. So it all depends on Muhammad. Now, do you know what the world's most common name is? No. Muhammad. 
I was guessing that's where you're going to go with that. Yep. <laughs> I did not. Let's use, let's use a few statistics. Muhammad preached the religion of Islam for 13 years in Mecca. He converted about 150 people. That's about 10 people a year. Not much. No. They drove him out of Mecca. He went to Medina, where he became a politician and a jihadist. And that's what the story of his life, which has the formal name of Sirah, the Sirah, S-I-R-A. It deals with the Sirah. So this book, the Sirah, was written about 200 years after Muhammad died. Now imagine today that you were going to write a biography of George Washington, mm -hmm. roughly 200 years ago, and it never been written down. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was thinking that. So if this guy had had an impact really on 150 people, how did his story even survive to that point? And the story we have is it the real story? Of course not. Yeah. I grew up. I'm an 80 year old man, and I grew up. I remember when they put electricity in our house. What we did was we told stories. We did what right. human beings had done for millennia yeah. before that. So, so how do we know what's how do we know what's what's true and what's not true when it comes to his life? <laughs> In all seriousness, I mean, you know. When I was telling you that we told stories, one of the things I learned about storytelling is the more times a story is told, the better it gets. Yeah, right. Because you add flourishes. Mm -hmm. So we've now proven my first point, which is we really don't know who Muhammad was, but it doesn't make any difference because people believe they know his story. However, archaeology is cruel to Islam. When you study archaeology in the Middle East, Judaism is confirmed by archaeology. Again and again, they find where battles were fought and they right. dig in the dirt, yeah. they find. Mm -hmm. Not so of Islam. Islam is very treated very cruelly by archaeology because, take this fact, Mecca did not exist at the time they say Muhammad was born. And that's a little bit of a hurdle, isn't it? Yes, it is. So it's the most common name in the world. And yet the history which should back it up really is not known. And this doesn't bother Muslims because they believe. They call themselves the believers. And what do they believe? They believe there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. Yeah. So why, I think I already know the answer to this, but why the um, treating Islam with kid gloves and, you know, calling people who even question it Islamophobic and, and all that, if it's, you know, if what you're saying is, is provable truth, but still seems like Islam gets a pass even in a Judeo-Christian supposedly country. Uh, is that all fear? Yes. 
It's all based on fear. Islam has battled over 1400 years. I'm the first, I'm a scientist by training. And when I started studying Islam and the Quran and Muhammad, I went, how come nobody's ever asked these questions before? Let me give you an example of a question that I'm the first person to ever ask. How many people have been killed in 1400 years because of jihad? Yeah. Obvious question. Yeah. Most students, I don't know what students know these days, but can tell you how many people that, how many Jews that Hitler killed. Right. How many people that Stalin killed, Mao Zedong. But nobody ever asked the question, how many who did, has been killed in jihad? Yeah, very true. Good I point. kept finding all kinds of things where it's like, how come nobody ever asked this before? Well, here's the answer. 60 million Christians, 80 million Hindus, 10 million Buddhists, and 120 million Africans. Wow. Do you have that by time period, battle? How, what does that equate to? Well, I determine it in two different ways. Number one, if you study the business of slavery, and here's an example of something that's not known about Muhammad. Every single African who was imported into the arc side of the world, every single one of them, were taken and sold by Muslims. It was a process of jihad that captured the slaves. This is confirmed by, you heard of David Livingston, mm -mm. doctor? Oh, actually, yes, I have. Vaguely remember that. Vaguely remember his name, but uh, fill us in, please. Anyway, he points out he recorded several battles that were jihad battles, and he explained the whole business of slavery because Muhammad was a slave owner. Mm -hmm. He tortured slaves, sold slaves, gave them away as gifts, had sex slaves. I taught for 10 years at a black university. No one on that university knew the story of how Islam fit into the slave business. Now, did he write a, did he write a book about that? Yes, he did. Okay. So, why at a black university did they not know that all of slavery in our side of the world was based on Muhammad? Mm -hmm. So we don't do this. We don't examine the question because it's too terrible. It's something we don't want to know. We want to believe that the Muslim who moved in next door is really a good guy. We're desperate for that to be true. And so we don't want to hear anything about it that's not true. Yeah. And yet we can measure our fear by the fact that the first, on December 11, 2001, the first report written by the federal government had words in it like jihad. Right. Islam mm -hmm. and Muslim. Mm -hmm. Now then that report does not include any of those words. Yeah, thanks to Barack Obama. Correct. Mm -hmm. But we can spread the we can spread the misery around to include the Republicans as well. Oh sure, yeah. Because we net we had eighteen generals in twenty years in Afghanistan. Not a single one of them knew why we were there. They were just fighting a war, and we see war as with bullets and bombs. 
-hmm. It's thought Muhammad was the greatest warrior who ever lived. The greatest warrior who ever lived. Today, no one dies because of Alexander the Great. No one dies because of... That's just who I was thinking about. Nobody. But I'll guarantee you that somebody died today because of Muhammad. Right. Yeah, I never thought of... You know, people don't think of it that way. And I think Americans are comfortable in the fact that you know they what they believe is fact and that is everybody comes to america because they believe america is a great place to come so the guard is the guard is down yes some some do but not all yeah so muhammad was involved in 108 acts of jihad over a period of 10 years that's pretty frequent yeah but here's the deal he was not successful in Mecca. About 10 a year. But he was very successful in Medina, where he went to. When he died, every Arab on the peninsula, today we call the Saudi Peninsula, Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. they were all Muslim. So jihad worked. Well, you're not going to give up something that works. Right. So we see here that no matter what we want to do to study about Islam, we need to talk about Muhammad. Now, here's the great thing about it. It's a great story. You have torturing, you have spies, counter spies. You have all manner of forms of war. The form of war that Muhammad created was civilizational war. Mm -hmm. He was able to take every aspect of being a human being, food, halal food, dress, hijab, he was able to take all aspects of human being, being a, being a human being, and make it powerful in working for. And political. And political. Yeah. So we see that it was not possible at all to understand Islam without understanding Muhammad. And so we've sort of come to the end here, I think, unless you have another question. No, I just, just uh, I think maybe what you're going to say next is, where do you recommend people go to establish that foundation? Well, in my personal opinion, my book, Muhammad and the Unbelievers, is the best way to do it. The book that it's derived from is an 800-page book in fine print in the most difficult, obscure academic language I've ever read. So I've gone through all the work and done all that, and I have two volumes of it, a small one, which is 80 pages long, and a larger one, which is nearly 200. Why do I have a big one and a little one? Because people have been told, you can't understand this. Mm -hmm. So, but when you hand them a real small book, they're like, well, I could read this. All right, more likely to read it. So it's Muhammad and the Unbelievers. Right, or the small one is the life of Muhammad. The life of Muhammad, okay. And your website is politicalislam.com, correct? Yes, and yeah. I have a channel on YouTube I can't believe they still let me stay on. I'm surprised. Well, I'm very careful. In this entire last 10 or 15 minutes, have I said anything that was insulting about Muhammad? Not in my opinion. No. So I mean, I don't. I don't trash talk Muslims. I never. I'm called an Islamophobe. Mm -hmm. That's like being called a racist. Yeah. By the way, if you notice the word racist, it doesn't even really mean anything anymore. Well. You know, when you, when when your hospitals can refuse treatment because you're white, 
uh, racism obviously still exists, but the word it's itself inverted. the word itself means nothing anymore. And it's still it doesn't. Around. So yeah, I get it. And and you do always refer to Islam as a political system, at least in the short time that we've known each other. Well, if you look at the Quran, the Sirah, and the Hadith, we haven't dwelt on this. We may get it next time. Quran, Sirah, Hadith, that's what composes the doctrine of Islam. Right, right. Okay, well, thank you very much for being here today. And we are going to go through, I think you wrote down, what, five or six segments? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so we'll go through now. Uh, next time we'll have you back and we'll, bre we'll break down another a piece of this whole thing. But... The goal here, folks, is to just kind of have this laid out over time and give you the whole uh, overview, if you will, and point you where to go to learn more about Islam. So, By the way, let me point out something. Sure. This is the first time in human history that Islam has been capable of being understood by a bus driver or a plumber. That is, all the difficult <laughs> yeah. work has been done to make it so it's easy to read. And like I yeah. say, it's actually a good read. It's not dull and boring. It's, I mean, like I say, you got taking slaves, right? assassinations. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the stuff that you watch on TV, right? Exactly. <laughs> the, the stuff that movies movies draw people in to see. I mean, and this is real This is real life. It's not, it's oh, not yeah. just a fictional account. So go to politicalislam.com. Check out all the, there's a lot of resources there. There's also uh, classes that you have put together. There's yes. all kinds of stuff. So um, we definitely... I love having you on and learning more myself, but I think it's what you're doing and what you've done all these years is of critical importance for people to understand if we want this republic to continue. Um, so I encourage people to do just that. Make sure that you go visit that politicalislam.com. Thank you. you bet. Thank you, Bill. We'll see you uh, next time on the Patriot Review. And I like the beard. Uh, <laughs> We'll see you again soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. He's such a great guy. I like talking with him, and I always learn something from him. I hope you do, too. If you'd like to uh, ask specific questions um, from him or I, uh, IQ Al-Razuli, you can send those questions to me at redbloodedpatriots, with an S, redbloodedpatriots, at protonmail.com, redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com. That is also where you send an email with the subject line black flag to be put in for a drawing for the black flag. Remember the black flag uh, signifies that we will take no prisoners in our fight to preserve our nation. Um, not calling for violence, obviously, but um, we will fight the uh, tyrannical attack on our constitution through legal means, and we're seeing more and more of that as we're going forward as it relates to so many different fronts, whether it's education, whether it's uh, COVID, uh, passports, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you see so many people starting to wake up, as it were, starting to stand up for the rights that we all know we have. So, uh, yes, so you can get in touch, redablepatriots at protonmail.com. Be right back.
Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. I love my pillow products. I use them. I can say that they are simply the best quality that you will find anywhere. And you can help us all out, all Patriots, including Mike Lindell, and our mission to restore America by going to MyPillow.com today and using code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review, so it's easy to remember. TPR. Save up to 66%. You can also order by calling 800-519-9927. Again, that's 800-519-9927. Thank you and God bless. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. Hey, welcome back. So we have been seeing in the news many, many, many articles coming out about uh, COVID, about the vaccine or so-called vaccine, the jab, the death death shot. Um, And, you know, we have this as an example, 145 Countries find a sharp uh, rise in virus transmission after uh, getting a jab. We see uh, that they play games with, you know, what is considered vaccinated. So if somebody has a reaction after their first vaccination, after their second vaccination, after their booster, uh, and they're not two weeks out from that last shot, well, that's considered unvaccinated. So this lie that uh, President, uh, Resident, O Biden uh, spoke the other day saying that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated is an absolute uh, preposterous lie and studies across the globe are proving that fact and we also know that originally the original uh, group in Washington uh, who were there when uh, Trump was still there wanted and acknowledge that the vaccines would be considered experimental um, because the mRNA technology, the gene modification technology had never been used successfully before. Yet somehow now we've gone from that position where they also said that they would uh, use some prophylactics and, and now we've gone from that to, you know, those prophylactic drugs like ivermectin, you know, being being uh, systematically destroyed or made unavailable uh, and hospitals who in my opinion are murdering their own patients they can hide behind excuses like well this is the protocol this is the uh, you know the insurance companies won't let us do this because it won't reimburse us you know I've never seen in in the, the Hippocratic Oath where it says we'll provide treatment and save lives if the insurance company will pay for it uh, no, and there are plenty of states that have right to try laws, and even in those states, the hospitals are refusing family members' treatment. And uh, just wanted to say that you know, if you are our viewer of Frank Speech TV, you know that um, 
there have been families on there recently that have had this very issue and, and now have lost their loved ones, which is absolutely inexcusable. Uh, we also know now that Fauci lied about uh, funding the gain of function testing. He also now has been shown to have profited from these arrangements with these large pharmaceutical companies. Uh, and that to me, to me, in my opinion, that to me is high treason. And that means that the lives of millions of people are on, on his hands, in my opinion. Uh, you can go to FlemingMethod.com, sign the petition to investigate and prosecute those people for crimes against humanity. So this is the Nuremberg Code that they have violated. You can go to FlemingMethod.com and check that out and sign that petition. The last segment of the show I'm going to do, I have uh, TPR contributor Renee Grace, who's going to talk uh, in just a conversational format about what we've seen to date in regards to COVID. And I'll be right back after this interview. Like to welcome back to the show TPR contributor, RN, and author Renee Grace. Welcome back. We're going to go over COVID information and kind of the whole story today, which I, you know, we were discussing just before clicking the record button here that there really hasn't been an overall summary put together, and we have work, have our individual experts and such. But um, so we want to do that today. We want to talk about kind of the whole the whole big picture as it relates to COVID. So welcome aboard. Thank you, Jeff. And yeah. thank you all viewers. Absolutely. Okay, so my name's Renee Grace. I've been in around 30 years. And I started doing this research in November last year when I was terminated from a company that mandated the vaccines. And um, actually, during one of the shows on Frank's speech, I saw Dr. Fleming speaking out. And he actually is not only a doctor, he's, a, he's a, an attorney. And um, it was very interesting because he wrote the argument for the same company that I was terminated from because the employees for that company was, was suing uh, I'll just say Los Alamos National Lab. And, and so when I went to Dr. Fleming's website, uh, the very first thing that I, I saw was the petition to bring all these criminals, Dr. Falsi, Walensky, um, and all, all their henchmen to the International Criminal Court. And I, I signed the petition, but then going through his website, he he has the whole story there. He he's got the research of COVID as bioweapon. He's got uh, the that they call them vaccines. Those are bioweapons, and he also has all the research that started way back in the 90s. How 
the, the, there were labs in the CCP and money going back and forth and and they were creating back then a, a bioweapon, a virus to kill people. And so in, um, in medicine, there's something called a root cause analysis. Mm -hmm. And that goes right to the core, right to the root of why are all these deaths, or if there's one death, there's a study done. Why was this death that was not, it, it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. And this is what is going on right now globally, yeah. is that the entire global world, all the countries, they're doing the same thing. They have the shutdowns. They have now quarantine camps and, and places. And why is this that everyone is doing the same thing? Well, um, going through Dr. Fleming's website, he's got the history. He's got um, the, the, the global, the economic forum, the World Economic Forum, he, he mentions that, and, and um, also the CCP and how they've been planning this for many years. And so when, when you go to Dr. Fleming's website, it's www.flemingmethod.com, and he has links of a lot of education. Mm -hmm. There's a link way on the right side that says action, and th that link has multiple petitions to send to the president, senators, the House, governors, um, their cease and desist orders, and then going through the entire website, there are a lot of videos of education on the gain of function, mRNA, the drug vac drug vaccine, biologics, risks and benefits, and the EUA. And um, there, there's a, just a wealth of information that gives people all the answers. He he says it very clearly that the answers why this is all happening and it's, it's a global plan. And so um, on slide four, we're just gonna show you at the very bottom of that slide, he's got it documented way back in 99, they were working on the bioweapon and the, this, um, this slide also, it has the minutes at the bottom so that if, if you don't have two and a half hours and you just wanna see some of his information, you can scroll through and just glance at some of this research he has done. Um, slide five has addresses the gain of function, the treatment, experimental vaccines, um, how they've been promoted. They have not undergone sufficient testing. We all know that. And we have to continue to speak up and, and, and refuse the bioweapons. But what I, I said at the very first talk is that I'm an educator. And when people when the government comes to your door, if that ever happens here, hopefully not, 
people need to have the information to say, I don't want the vaccine that has graphene oxide in it. Those are metals. Mm -hmm. It has luciferase. That is a chemical that makes fireflies light up. It has polyethylene glycol. And people need to have that information. And also, um, Frank Speech has a lot of programs, a lot of people on, that are sharing information. I saw one program and the, the physician was looking at the vaccines under a microscope and she actually saw something living in it, mm -hmm. like a bean. Not a bean, B-E-A-N. It was something that looked like it was watching her. That was her description. And, and so Dr. Fleming has a lot of information about the global, the global impact, how it all, the root causes, the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, it's all been in the planning. And um, I'll just go to slide seven. It's got a picture of the COVID virus microscopically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's very interesting because a lot of people, you'll hear them say, oh, there's no COVID. Well, actually there is. And, and people, we, we didn't have to have the death rate. There was treatment available all along. When I worked for Los Alamos lab, people would be quarantined for no reason and because they were around someone for three minutes. Yeah. And it, it's like totally ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And also people were being quarantined when they went across the state line, 20 miles, yeah. they'd be quarantined yeah. for two weeks. And, and one of the interesting uh, issues there also was that Los Alamos is known to be the premier energy company of the world. They have scientists, researchers working there that said flat out, they wrote a paper flat out, you have to treat people day one and day two. This is what you treat them with. And those, Los things, Alamos, are, those things are withheld from us. They, yeah, it was Los Alamos, they did not treat people. They did what the government said to do, yeah. which is do not treat. Well, the, the narrative. Um, I would. I actually was angry and what, just couldn't believe some of the stories. People would call in and, and tell me just disgusting stories. One in particular, um, this young man's father, 80 years old, and he had COVID, his girlfriend had COVID, and not only that, his girlfriend is in a wheelchair with COPD. She goes to the emergency room, she has COVID, they turn her away and say, go home. That is yeah. malpractice. Yeah, that's murder. I, yeah, it, it's, <clears throat> it's very sad. And so... Happening all over the country, especially if you're white. Yes. And now, now they're withholding antibodies mm -hmm. away. Based on skin color. Based on skin color. That same, just happened to my girlfriend. At the same Florida. time, at the same time, their narrative is being destroyed. Now in Australia, one of the most militant Nazi jackbooted thug countries out there, 
uh, their government, that is, not their people. Um, you know, they just they just admitted that now they have more people that are vaccinated that are in the hospital getting getting COVID. So, right. You know, so their narrative's blown. So now what do they do? Well, gee, maybe they should make the vaccinated stay in, be under house arrest like they've done to everybody else. Yes. And if and in terms of what we're talking about right now, slide ten was um, a statement. Is that Twitter? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm it looks not like Twitter to me. Twitter to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. Mm -hmm. I'm not on those social sites. So I took myself I took off Twitter. Myself off Twitter. Yeah. yeah. So I knew I'd get kicked off. So I. I didn't even attempt. Um, so this says Florida Surgeon General says Biden administration actively preventing distribution of monoclonal antibodies. That just happened. My girlfriend in Florida, of all states, who's the who is the most proactive in treating, and they're they're withholding in Florida, and that's not the governor. That is right. the Biden regime. Right. And so, um, the those are just a few things that I want to point out to people. I want to really encourage people go to FlemingMethod.com, and it it has it's like a one stop shop. It has everything there, and he has a lot of education. And there are I, so many, so many websites right now, and it's nice to point his out because he really does kind of. You can go to one page to see the whole story. Yes, and and people, I've already set up. People need to be educated. We can't just. Oh, I don't believe in vaccines or oh no, it's a bioweapon. No, it is a bioweapon, but people need the information. You right. need the science. You need to be able to to um come back with with your guns and yeah. and um we have a tyrannical we have a tyrannical government and our constitution tells us clearly what to do about a tyrannical government. Yes. You know, so people need to stand up and get off the couch and right now use legal means to try to get this turned around before yes. it's too late. Yes. And and another interesting thing, I, I was at a conference and um, on slide seven or eleven I mean. On slide eleven, I was at a conference in September. My General Michael Flynn was speaking, and he had this posted. These are people exempt from the Biden's vaccine mandates. Well, a lot of people are, are thankfully, SCOTUS made a good decision, and they said, no, Biden can't mandate companies to force the bioweapon. Mm -hmm. But these are some of the um, venues that are exempt. And that, you know, Pfizer, and, and, and the Supreme Court did fail us big time, though, in upholding the mandate for healthcare workers. Yeah, and and that's totally wrong because, you know, as a nurse, I I like to say that I know better, but there are a lot of people. They're not medical people. They know it's wrong. But the funny thing is, how many medical people see it for what it is? It's mass and, psychosis. 
yeah, the mass psychosis. And, and mm-hmm. the, there's a reason why so many medical people are saying, no, I am not doing that. And I, I knew last year or two years ago, I, I, I'm like vaccine in nine months. I don't think so. Right. And Well, there was documentation that I saw yesterday that showed that in 2016, this vaccine was already ready. That Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, they knew they were, they knew that that was there. And this was happening behind the scenes with people like Bill Gates and Fauci and his his, uh, cohorts in crime. Yes. And so next, the next segment, I'm going to talk about and show you some articles about Klaus Schwab that I came across. I, I did some digging because I'm, I'm talking about the World Economic Forum and there's there's Klaus Schwab is an evil man. He's an evil man. And next time we'll present to you some issue, some information about the schools that yeah. he has created and run. Yeah, that would be good to help people understand that part of it. Yeah, so. because it's all it's all in the same. Right. It's all, all a big ball of wax. Yeah. Well, how I explain it. How I explain it to people is you got to stop looking at everything as an individual issue and look at it as a, look at it as a chess game. So you got all these pieces in the chessboard. And there's a piece. There's a COVID piece. You know. There's a CRT piece. There's a you know whatever that there's uh, infiltrating our our uh, legal system. That piece. There's the buy-off piece. I mean, all this is all this is related to doing one thing, and that is a new world order, destroying yeah. the United States, destroying yeah. Western civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, people think you're crazy, but if you, if you take a step back and look at everything, I mean, it's all very obvious and very apparent based on the facts that we now know. Yes, and so. That's all I really want to mention is that okay. I, I'm i a promoter and I, I think people are stepping up to the plate. I'm, I'm very saddened. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how many groups I have put my foot out and said, hey, I want to share this information and just doors slam shut. And some are churches. They don't want oh, yeah. to hear oh, we're only, we only talk about the Bible. It's like, well, you know what? You're not going to ha- be able to do that right. if you shut your mouth. Well, you look if at, you you look at who speak. they donate. You look at who those churches on the national level, the national denominations, yeah. who they donate their money to, and you get your answer. Right. Yeah, they want to shut down Christianity. And it's mm-hmm. like if these churches don't, Hillsong, I'm sorry, but... They they could have so much influence over the they're all over the world. And they won't, even, they won't respond to me at all. Both Australia and in Phoenix and Scottsdale. They won't even send an email. They won't even make a phone call. Well, they've been programmed and, to think that you're crazy. Well, they they're 
I know what they're thinking. Oh, we don't want people to be chased away or we don't want to take sides. Right. It's like if you, the word of God says, if you don't stand for your faith, you will not stand at all. Right. And that's how I see them. They're not going to be able to stand. No, I mean, in, in a time when faith has been attacked so much that uh, congregations have just dwindled anyway, mm-hmm. they're all worried about the dollars, what they're worried about. Yeah. So, okay, well, next time we'll we'll go over those things, and thank you for the information today. Great, um, thank you. Appreciate, appreciate you being back on, and we'll see you again soon. Great, thank you very much, Jeff. Yeah. So with everything that's going on with COVID and with, you know, let's not forget the January 6th people who are still imprisoned, uh, the stuff in the schools, the uh, the uh, the money that's being thrown. You know, we have, the, I just saw this report. Um, I watched a video that Tucker actually had on, and you may have seen it. It was about the millions and millions of dollars, like, uh, $380,000 plus per person to give homeless in Seattle a luxury apartment overlooking the Space Needle in Puget Sound, while Joe Business, small business owner and, you know, the uh, average American citizen works their butt off and, uh, you know, tries to buy their home and everything else, where we have so many of these things so backwards, you know, instead of helping those individuals get off of drug dependence, get the help they need, uh, whatever their issue is, instead we enable it, you know, and so much of our government seems to be backwards and upside down. So much of our social discourse is upside down. It's, you know, in America, can't we all agree that we're all equal and we all have the same rights? and strive to continue to improve to make sure that people do have an equal opportunity to succeed you know i realize the nation is not perfect but i think that we can agree on enough of this stuff that we can unite to take the power back away from the government that you know every time they gain ground you never get it back unless you make that happen Excuse me. So next week, I have um, a true patriot on. I'm excited to share this with you. I have author Michelle Black, who's going to talk about her book, Sacrifice. She is a gold star widow and uh, a true patriot, and I'm very excited. It's a little bit of a departure away from today's political issues. I'm going to spend a whole hour with her. So please come back next week. Sunday at 4 is when I live stream and check out that show. I know you'll like it. God bless you all, and we'll see you again next week.